Welcome inside a brand new episode of the All Hoops Podcast. I'm Steve Inman, and I'm joined as always by my great co-host, Chris Brito. Chris, we're going to do something very special today that we've never done in our 122 episodes of this show today. Are you ready? Yeah, let's hear it. I'm going to talk positively about the New York Knicks. We'll also get to other interesting teams around the league. But before that, Chris, my friend, how are you? Hey, Stevie. You know, it's hard not to feel good about the Knicks, and it all starts with Julius Randle. I think we both need to address something that a lot of Knicks fans are thinking. We need to apologize to Julius Randle. And I think you are also on that list. Yeah. Uh, should we do it now? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Sorry, so Julius. Julius Randle <laughs> averaging, you know, 23 points a game, 12 rebounds. That's pretty normal stuff. Strong year from that perspective. The key for me is the seven assists a game. He, they've been running their offense through Julius Randle. Yes, the turnovers are, turnovers are up 4.9 per game. He's got to get that down. But this five and three start solely to me is because of him. They haven't really added shooting. They haven't really added playmakers. It's all been about, you know, point Julius, point forward Julius here. And Julius, I am sorry for insulting you the last couple of years, causing, saying you're an albatross contract. I think at this very point, the Knicks should pick up his $19.5 million team option for next year. So we are sorry. And uh, we hope you continue this play because you're playing at an all-star level right now. And uh, we love you. <laughs> you know, speaking of Julius, I think the best part about the way the Knicks have been winning games is just how they've won it in different ways, right? Randall has been the motor to this offense. I mean, we saw it last we saw it last night when they were playing against Utah. Once he was in foul trouble, the Knicks' offense fell apart. And I hope and I expect that to be something other defenses look at when they start playing the Knicks now. In any in in in, but mostly what has really catapulted the team has been their defense. I mean. We were one of the worst teams defending the three last year. Now we're one of the best. We're top five. And just to think that the Knicks team has has made such strides from basically last to basically first, you know, really goes to what Thibodeau is, has been preaching with this team. And, you know, some of the offseason pickups have already shown that they can play the big minutes like Austin Rivers and Alec Burks. You know, it's hard not to be happy about this team I just worry about how we're going to sustain this level of play. I mean, we're five and three after eight games. I don't remember the last time we won five out of the last six ever. Maybe yeah, it was that like Carmelo Carmelo Anthony season where we went to the Eastern uh, semifinals, but it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, Chris, let's talk about that. Is this sustainable? So looking through the numbers right now, the Knicks are holding opponents to around twenty nine point eight percent from three. That is historically the best in the NBA. To me, that is not sustainable. You know, these opponents are still getting very good looks. They're, get, they're allowing a lot of three-point attempts. They're just not falling. So for me, that is going to come back to the pack. That's going to cause this Knicks defense to regress a little bit going forward. Having said that, they're 27th in pace. They're not running, you know, they're not moving the ball quickly. They're 27th in turnovers, and they're 28th in points per game. Those are bars that seem easily achievable 
to do better in. So there's no reason to think as R.J. Barrett continues his progression as Emmanuel quickly, you know, learns and gets better, Obi Toppin's going to come back eventually. The thought is this offense should get better as the season goes on. So while the defense might get worse slightly, the offense should get better. And, as, you know, they start limiting their turnovers a little bit better. They start scoring the ball a little bit better. I think the, the, the record is sustainable. I think they could be a borderline 500 team this year because, you know, there's nothing about this team that's really special, but they're playing hard. And as long as Julius Randle continues sharing the ball, I don't see why they couldn't sustain this. And the other takeaway from this all is that we should just enjoy whatever's going on with this team. Yesterday, Wednesday, was a very tough day in general for Americans after what was going on in the Capitol. And when I turned on to watch the Knicks, they were down 18. I was like, okay, you know what? Let me just see what happens. Maybe the second half, they'll turn it around. They were down 18 points. And this team slowly crawled back, you know, with hard, hard effort, as you've stated before. And they surprised us and won the game. This was a game that last year we wouldn't have won. And they pulled it away. So very uplifting performance. And obviously, this all goes back to Thibodeau. But, you know, the players keep making plays. Sometimes I, I'm watching the game and I think, you know, there's nothing left. The Knicks are back to their old ways. But clearly, they're not. They, you can at least expect them to play hard every night. And I think that's a, a pretty good expectation that we can rely on so far. Yeah, in terms of looking through the other players' numbers to see if there's anything that says this is not sustainable. I don't really see anything. I mean, R.J. Barrett is not really shooting better this season. He's still around that 40% mark. I think that will improve as the season goes on. You know, uh, Peyton's kind of having a typical Peyton year. You know, they're going to have to limit the minutes on some of these guys. To me, the unsustainable part is playing Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett 43, 44 minutes a night. Alfred Payton played 42 minutes and the Jazz win. To me, those are things that, you know, yes, it's a shortened season, but it's still a very long season. So I don't think they're going to be able to keep those guys playing heavy minutes. But, you know, there'll be blowouts. You know, Knicks will blow out some teams. Some teams will blow out the Knicks. They'll be able to limit minutes there. So I'm not too concerned about that just yet. It's just something to keep an eye on. But, Chris, let's move on. Other surprising starts around the league, some positive, some negative. I want to start with Phoenix, 6-2, and two, tied with the Lakers for the best record out west. Chris Paul did it again. He went to a new young team, showed them how to win. They're playing great defensive you know, basketball here. And, you know, they, they beat up on Toronto uh, on Wednesday night. And they're really, they're really looking like the surprise team out west right now. Yeah, and I, I don't know if they're a surprising team per se, considering Chris Paul, who you know who on that team is now, right, Chris Paul. But the aspect that makes me so encouraged for the Suns is how they're winning. You know, Chris Paul is setting up the offense to to optimize the most out of what he has there in front of him. You know, last year we saw the Phoenix Suns make a furious rally to try to make it to the playoffs in the western conference clearly they keep on maintaining that momentum and chris paul has really helped alleviate the load for devin booker he doesn't have to make the plays all the time and i think that can only raise the ceiling for the Suns, and it has so far so you know whatever they're doing in 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 phoenix it seems to be working 
Yeah, I mean, maybe surprise not the right word. Maybe it's breakthrough, breakout team. I mean, this is the one team, you know, at the, near the bottom of the West the last few years that looks like a, a surefire playoff team. And we discussed, oh, are they going to make the playoffs? Like, the question doesn't seem like right now, are they going to make the playoffs? The question seems to be how far can they go? What kind of seed they can get here? And it's, it's encouraging to see a new team emerge in this loaded Western Conference. It's so hard to break through in that West. And to see them doing it early on is encouraging. Uh, Chris, the one in six Toronto Raptors, not encouraging. Yeah, what's going on there? I Look, looking through the numbers, it's, it's a big concern because like Fred Van Vliet's continuing to emerge as a better player. He's averaging over 20 a game for the first time in his career. Kyle Lowry has not regressed. He's doing his thing. But defensively, they haven't been great. You saw what they did to the Knicks on a New Year's Eve. They locked them up. The Knicks had one of their worst shooting nights of the year. It's the only win the Raptors have this year. But they clearly miss Gasol and Ibaka. That, those are two uh, decisions I did not think they would really regret. I didn't think those guys had much left in the tank. You know, older guys here. And Baines has not been able to replace them. You wonder if Chris Boucher is uh, going to wind up getting those uh, center minutes at some point in the nearby future because Baines has not been getting it done you know, on both ends of the floor. And you wonder, this is a team that's kind of overachieved the last couple of years. You know, now Pascal Siakam has gotten a little better each and every year. This year, it seems like teams are more or less figuring him out. And he's got that spin move and teams kind of know it's coming. He does not have another move in his arsenal right now. He's kind of a one-trick pony. And it's almost as if he and Julius Randle have kind of swapped roles here where we kind of knew the spin move was coming, spinning into a triple team, turning the ball over was Julius Randle's thing. He has not, I've not seen him really do that at all this year. And Pascal Siakam really, the spin move is his number one go-to move right now. And they're one in six and they need more out of him and they need to get better defensively this like right now. You know, if you would have asked me before the season, if out of all the teams that I expected to be a surefire playoff team, I'd probably put the Raptors, but considering their early lackadaisical start, you know, you start to question that a little bit. Um, you know, I still think the Raptors will make a run, but you have to be a little bit concerned for this Raptors team, you know, already seven games in. You know, sure, you beat the Knicks, but, you know, you've lost six other games. Hopefully they turn the, sh- the ship around. You know, Nick Nurse is a great coach, but, you know, it is what it is. The one team, the other team on the on the West. Wait, that... real, real quick, Chris. I want to sure, ask you sure. a quick question about the Raptors. Go ahead. So they're one, they're one in six. You're assuming right now, if they're not a playoff team, and they don't turn things around, is this finally the time to trade Kyle Lowry? He's a free agent yes. at the end of the year. He's making thirty million dollars. Yes. Where, uh, where could you see him going? So, there's two two places in mind that I'd love to see him in, Orlando. Orlando because they need point guard help or the Clippers. You know, maybe this is a, a chance for Larry to compete for one more tight and one more uh, one more ring. You know, I think that if you add someone like Larry, you're definitely closer to the Lakers than you were before not getting him. So for me, the Clippers would be an ideal spot. I don't know how they can make that happen considering how tight they are with their with their salaries, but that's a spot where I'd love to see him in. I got a more fun idea for you, Chris. You ready for this? Oh, not the Knicks. 
we're about six years too late. But let's trade Kyle Lowry to the New York Knicks. He's, oh he's going to be 35 in two months. So this is clearly not their long-term point guard answer. But that's the one big piece it seems like they're missing right now, that floor general, where Julius Randle's playmaking is more of a secondary option. And they're not do or die by Julius Randle. Because eventually, as you said before the show, like teams are going to start figuring this out. And this is the perfect guy to run this offense right now. And he still looks like he's in his prime. And I don't think he'll cost too much. And the Knicks have to add around $18 million in salary just to get to the floor. So they're going to have to pick up a big salary somewhere anyway. I don't see why if uh, the Raptors don't pull things around. By the way, I think the Raptors will pull things around. So this is kind of made up. But if they don't, why would this be a good fit? You know what? I, 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 I would love the ad of Kyle Lowry to the Knicks. My only thing is like, my only thing is like, okay, first of all, who do you trade to get him? Is it worth it? And where will we be a month and a half from now where we start looking at our record and start assessing whether, you know, making the playoffs is worth it? I mean, I obviously I think it's worth it, but, you know, the Knicks brass may think otherwise. So, you know, if, if if we're in playoff contention by March or so, I definitely think it's a conversation we need to think about. Because as I've always stated for the last year and a half, that we need a point guard. We still do, but it seems like we've sort of like covered our bases a little bit with with point forward Julius Randle. I I'd like I'd like Kyle, but I think the best spot for him would probably be the Clippers. Yeah, I definitely think you're right. And I'm always one of these people who would rather trade, you know, picks and, and, and I'm sorry, trade players to get picks for the future instead of go the other way around. I still feel that way now, despite the five and three start. But Kyle Lowry is a heck of a player. He's, you know, battled some big, big games in the past. And, you know, if he's a free agent, he's probably the best free agent point guard on the market this, uh, this summer. I wouldn't hate the Knicks giving him big money on a two-year deal. You know, see how that goes. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Another team and another point guard that I need to talk about today is Steph Curry and the Warriors. I mean, we've, you know, a few weeks ago, I predicted that they might not even make the playoffs. So I'm not, go- now I'm not backing down out of that prediction, but Steph Curry has been blazing hot. He seems to, to have addressed his critics who are saying, you know, that he wasn't a good enough player, that he can't lead a team into the playoffs. So far, it looks like they're back or similar to where they were, you know, two years ago, you know, obviously, obviously without Clay and without KD. But to me, the resurgence has really been about Draymond Green being a factor and playing great in, in his return from injury. I mean, return from injury or COVID. I mean, and, you know, Curry had a great game. He scored, what, 62 points? That's incredible. Um, he's the second oldest to ever score that much. And the Warriors seem to have figured it out. But, you know, I think this is more about Draymond Green coming back and anchoring that defense. And obviously Wiseman playing well than Curry really taking on the scoring load. I mean, Draymond Green is, is really what makes this offense really become what it is. Um, and obviously Steph Curry is an incredible player, but... I wouldn't be doing the team justice if we didn't give more credit to Draymond, who without that defense, they'd be scoring at will against these Warriors. 
Yeah, I definitely think Draymond deserves a ton of credit. I also think the the team could get better. To me, Oubre is much better than he's shown so far. He's been historically atrocious through the first seven, eight games or eight games uh, from three. So I definitely think he'll improve defensively. He's been good. I, I think Wiggins is what he is. But to me, the, the other guys, Oubre and, you know, Pascal, I think those guys are going to keep getting better. And, you know, as long as Curry is healthy, to me, they're kind of where I thought they were, which is in that six to eight seed range. You know, they're, they're not a championship caliber team, but they're a playoff team, a team that's going to battle every night who is going to have some really fun offensive nights and some really rough defensive nights. But they are what they are. They're a, they're a middling team, but who's going to have a lot of fun uh, along the way. Yeah, for sure. And I know that the Wizards have been struggling with their new addition. You know, Westbrook broke his finger, but we had an incredible game from Beal who went off for, for 60 points and a loss to the, to the Sixers last night. Where do you go from now if you're Washington? You know, you added someone like Russell – Probably you'll have them out for a while, but you probably expected to make the playoffs. And and I know someone in this in this podcast put money on the Wizards, and that wasn't me. Yeah. And so I'm I'm wondering uh, how you're feeling about that bet now. I don't feel great about it. Obviously, they're two and six. I mean, the schedule hasn't been great. They've lost to Philly twice now, but Chris, they're just getting destroyed defensively. I mean, they gave 141 points to the Sixers, and I know the Sixers are our top team, but they're giving up massive, massive points every night. They had the same problem last year. And look, I get it. It's not a great defensive personnel. There's nobody on this team that you're like, this is a go-to guy defensively. You put this guy on your best player. But at the same time, it seems like there's an effort issue as well. You know, when you're giving up 140 points a night, effort – can be questioned. I mean, if when you have two guys who care a lot about their stats, you know, that's, that's sort of like, you know, that, that could happen. But I expected Scott and Brooks to really unlock Russell Westbrook and, you know, Russell's still putting up good numbers, but you know, clearly the team isn't gelling as, as well as we hope compare compare that to the Houston Rockets who seem to be doing well with John Wall right now. It, it's clear to me that the Wizards are in a situation where, you know, maybe they'll unload Russell Westbrook at some point in the season. It, it remains to be seen. I think their first order of business, if things don't turn around, is not trading Westbrook. I think it's going to be dumping Scott Brooks because as much as I like Scott Brooks, Scott Brooks had a lot of success with Westbrook in Oklahoma City. But the bottom line is he's been there for a few years now and they've been historically bad defensively. And for me as a, you know, Defense is half the battle is effort. You know, you've seen what Tom Thibodeau has done with basically the same roster that these other, you know, Knicks coaches have had, and they've dramatically improved defensively. And I'm not saying the Wizards should be a top 10 defensive team, but historic, they should be better than historically bad. And if they were better than that, they'd probably be 500 right now. So I would think if they don't turn things around soon, specifically defensively, he's got to go on the hot seat. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think defense is all about effort, and it seems to be the biggest issue that's plaguing this Wizards team. If they don't change around things quickly, obviously Scott will be the one to go, but there's very little that you can improve with on that roster unless you get rid of someone like Westbrook. Right now, potentially, he has he's at his lowest trade value, uh, but who knows? Maybe they rack up some wins, and then they're back into a conversation where you know they can start talking about improving the team 
roster wise. Um, but you know, we're 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 still far away from that. It's still early in the season. The Wizards could always turn around. You may still win your bet, and the Knicks may be returned from old. But right now, you know, the Wizards clearly have some issues that need to be addressed. Yeah, well said there, Chris. And uh, let's get to our final thoughts right after this. Okay, Chris, final thoughts time. It's the moment we've all been waiting for. Taj Gibson has re-signed with the New York Knicks. And Chris, if you told me about this two weeks ago, I would have rolled my eyes. But now, you know, they've had a lot of injuries. Mitch played 41 minutes versus the Jazz on Wednesday night. So having a backup around may not be a bad thing. No, and I think it'll it'll actually be a good thing to have someone like him, someone that, that Tibbs trusts and someone that could relieve Mitch from from his center duties, Julius Randle has played great, and he's played... We've had lineups where we've seen Julius at the five, but I think in terms of this team moving forward, you need to spell those guys whenever they're playing these high minutes. And it seems to be that Tom isn't so easy to give minutes to to players that aren't proven or haven't proven themselves, and he showed to be not as patient as you'd hope some coaches are, but it seems to be working. I trust Taj. Taj Taj could give us, you know, 15 to 20 minutes or whatever it is and really give some relief to to these guys that are playing well so far. Yeah, and as you said before the show correctly, Noel has been horrendous offensively. I mean, even if he gets an offensive rebound or, you know, he's not looking to put it back up, he's he's trying to get it out of there. He's He can't score. And yeah, for me, and he's he's yeah. he's such a non-factor on defense that it almost makes you're, you're better off not even putting him in the game. Which Tom is clearly has seen this, and that's why probably the motivation behind getting someone like uh, getting someone like Gibson back. Yeah, uh, good for him getting back in the league for sure. Uh, let's move on. The Lakers, Chris, as we kind of predicted, they look dominant. They look like they're not always 100% invested in the games. They're lo- they're waiting for the playoffs. They're in cruise control. Yeah, and it seems to be working out so far. You know, LeBron hit a, hit a, hit a pivotal shot against the Grizzlies the other night. And it, I expect the Lakers to, to maintain what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, the Lakers are playing great. Another team that is also playing great are the Sixers. The Sixers... Could you, we could argue that they're the best team in the East right now. I almost see it no point for the Sixers to trade for James Harden anymore. As great as James Harden is, the current team that you're seeing from the Sixers has shown to, at least right now, sort of figure out the spacing issue. Seth Curry's having his best season as a pro. He's averaging 17 points and shooting lights out. I think that, you know, the Sixers, uh, Doc Rivers clearly is, implementing he's getting the most out of these players you know and you have someone like Danny Green who understands how to space with bigs on the floor he's played with the likes of you know Tim Duncan and you know Anthony Davis so you know he said earlier this week or last week that he's really tried to bring that sort of mentality to the Sixers right like knowing where to cut telling others where and how they should cut and those are important when you have someone like Embiid, who's always the center of the offense. And so good for them for figuring it out. <laughs> um, still a long season, and it's, but it's good to see that, you know, at least for now, the James Harden rumors are put to a rest. But we'll see what happens, right? Like, the NBA is, is constantly changing, and 
right now the 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 Sixers look like the best team in the East. And you know what? Don't forget Tobias Harris, who people made fun of his giant contract. He's playing much better this season. He's playing his best basketball. So, yeah, as you said, the Sixers have emerged as one of the top teams in the East, if not the top team in the East. But that is going to do it for us here on All Hoops. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, leave us a review. Five stars would be great. Get more people out there to, uh, to hear the show. A little shameless plug there. And uh, follow us on Instagram at All Hoops Podcast. And we'll be back next week to talk about more NBA action. Bye, everyone. I'm not going to